0: ready a place where average veterans come to share their opinions on the world we live in. Can't guarantee you're gonna like our opinions.
1: But we promise we're gonna enjoy giving them to you. I'm Jim. Hey, and I'm Mike. Hey, I'm Nate. Hey, I'm Paul. Hey guys, let's pull the pin. That's a Whole lot of hay in here. <clears throat> hey. I think uh Nate's been here one too many times. Alright, I'm out. See you. Alright, right. so <laughs> so we're gonna we're just gonna let Paul determine what topic we're gonna discuss today.
2: Uh, I kind of wanted to segue off what you guys were talking about the other day when um, the swamp was back.
1: The swamp is back.
2: Yeah, there was a whole lot of meat left in that episode to talk about. But as we went through, it was funny. Uh, Mike was, uh, Jim had asked Mike, like, well, so, you know, what do we, how do we change people's minds? And, and, and Mike and I answered, like, at the same time, even though I was watching it. The answer was <laughs> one mind at a time, right? Right. And then. But the way you finished it up, Jim, is you, you know, you brought up, you said, you know, there's a lot of, you know, leaders that are, that came from the ranks of the military. That's, that's what they, they taught us to do, how to problem solve and how to lead. And you had asked the question kind of at the very end there on what is it that we as veterans can do to, to, to change the way forward. Right. You remember that?
0: Yeah, this okay, is my so, person of the week already, Mike. Look, he watched your episodes.
2: Well, Mike was like, hey, you want to be honest? I was like, I got to look at your last episode. And he was like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> so I had to go watch it. But anyway, uh, the, uh, a thought that it led me to, um, you know, like politically, when I became kind of politically aware, um, I really became kind of a staunch constitutionalist. Uh, I spent a, a lot of time studying the Constitution looking at constitutional law, looking at Supreme Court cases, looking at how the Constitution had been followed, or more often than I would like to uh, uh, admit, abused. And in the course of doing that, I was also teaching uh, soldiers. Uh, Up to the tune of, I had like one year over 5,000 soldiers that I was interacting with in that year. And I would teach a class and give the obligatory, you know, 10-minute break after 50 minutes of instruction. I'd pop my head out and I'd whoop a cigarette down and the people that were still left inside, I would ask them, like, hey, when you took an oath of enlistment, what did you, what did you, you know, what's in that oath? And that we, we, you know, swore that we would uphold defend the Constitution, the document, not the government itself, but the document itself, which is a very interesting principle if you think about it, right? And so I would follow the question with um, – well, what are you going to defend that with? And then you get the typical, my M4, my M9, a two. No, no, I mean, like, what are you, what are you, what are you defending this with? And the answer is your life, right? Would everybody agree with that? Yeah. That's what okay, you said. So like, I'm, I'm a pretty selfish cat. So, like, my life's kind of important to me. So, like, if I'm going to, like, swear my life to something, I better know damn well what's in the document, right? That was kind of my thought process. And so I would ask, of my classes, now remember, I have classes every single week, large amounts of people in these classes. And uh, I asked them, uh, what are the five enumerated negative liberties that are uh, enumerated in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights of the US Constitution? And then, all of the years of doing this, I'm telling you, I've been, doing it for, I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, I have had two classes combined collectively as a class that could name all five of them. That's pretty sad, isn't it? And one of those classes, sadly enough, it was when Mike and I were in Kandahar together, was a, the, the people I had a mixed class in there, and it wasn't the American soldiers that knew all five. It was the Brits that were in there. Yeah, yep. Even more embarrassing. So I just did it to, 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 to hopefully stimulate thought and make people go read the document. And I go back and I read it occasionally. And so as what led me to this kind of thought is we were talking about the swamp and we were also talking about the Capitol Hill circus thing on the six, right? I, that's really all it was. It was just bread circus in, in, in my opinion, but anyway, um, but let's look at the people that were really there to protest. How many of them looked at this very simple document and said that this simple document is being violated. And so what do you do? What do you do as, especially as a veteran? Cause I don't, I guess on a contractual term, the day that we ets I guess our contractual obligation to that notion of defending the Constitution with our lives ended. But I don't know that necessarily many veterans, especially ones that have been in not nice places while with, you know, in uniform, at that point do they go, like, I don't know that that necessarily expires. So now what do veterans do? When they look and they go, man, this is just, this is a bunch of bullshit. And the document that I swore to uphold with my life, again, which is pretty valuable to me, it means something to me, is totally being trampled on. And it's not, it's not just the Joe Bidens, it's not just the Donald Trumps, it's not just the Obamas, it's not just the George Bushes. I mean, we had the Alien and Dishin Act before the Bill of Rights, the ink was even dry on it. So what do we do? How do we write this ship as veterans? And I think it's a really good question that we should talk about.
3: <laughs> Mike?
2: Nobody was ready for that, I guess.
3: So, like you said, legally, yeah, our oath ended when we when we got out. Morally and everything else, does it end? No, probably not, because obviously there's a lot of vets that still will defend the constitution. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I mean, that's why a lot of us have. Well, some of you guys have weapons. Not me. Some of you guys have weapons to, to defend yourself against enemies, foreign and domestic, to your house or to your land or to whatever you're going to defend yourself against. So legally speaking, yeah, my defense to the Constitution is over according to the document I signed because my it expired for me. But morally, to the country. No, a lot of veterans still feel the same way even though they're not legally obligated to uphold that constitution or that oath anymore. Mm. Mm,
0: what,
1: Mike? I, I, I would agree, but I think the definition of um, and see if you agree with this, Nate, I think the definition of why we're in, I will defend my country um, with my life. Uh, I think that changes once we exit the military, the service. And when you say, I'll defend my country, like you just alluded to with the uh, people having their own personal weapons, they're gonna protect themselves, their family, their house, their property, that becomes your country. You you, you know what I'm saying? Like, Paul is having an issue over there, wherever he is in North Carolina, New York or whatever, I'm like, damn, Paul, you got it bad. but, but, if some, but if someone
3: comes, if some country decides to come and invade our country, I might not be in the military member, but I'm still going to defend my country.
1: Yeah, I, I, I uh, got that. I don't I have to be active military. Yeah, to, what extent, though? to what extent are you going to go? Like, um, no, at, I, don't I, don't, I don't know exactly where you're located. Let's use me for instance, for example. I'm on the seaboard. I, I, I got the ships invaded in my state. Right, but now I don't want to get off on a, a, a tangent here because um, I think Paul he uh brought up a valid point but if someone's uh attacking us through new york me as uh being just call it what it is i'm a texan now i'm living in texas right am i gonna pick up my weapons that like you nate i don't have but if i'm am i gonna pick up my weapons and go to new york to defend this country You, you you see what i'm saying no, I'm gonna do like most of all of um, uh, other Americans and I'm gonna sit there and watch it on the news and say, damn, I hope our boys and girls go over there and do right.
3: And yeah, until well, they until they make it down to Texas and then you're, right, you're until gonna be able to do Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
3: Right. I I was gonna say that I'd take so my guns fast. in New York anyway, so I wouldn't I wouldn't go defend New York. So Right. I mean somebody else's guns.
1: Well, I'd, well, wait no, 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 I'd wait no, till New York I'd New York fell first. No, sorry, sorry, Jim. Go ahead, man. No, I so
0: said I'd wait till New York fell first. But, but what you're saying was, is, I think it's right, is I have the obligation still to defend my country, but the practicality is we still have a military. So it's not like I'm going to run to the front lines because I know that we have a military that's going to do that first. All right, so I'm right. going to be like the second line of defense.
2: So, well, well, I mean, that's the militia system, which is also push, pushed down in the Constitution. But that's, I'm, I'm not talking about the country, the landmass. I'm talking about our forming documents, uh, under the quote-unquote social contract, which that's a totally different argument. We are, as a society, kind of bound to the rules of law that we submit to be ruled based on these rules that were agreed upon. I'm talking about the Constitution specifically, not talking about the landmass. I mean, trust me. If the Portuguese got uppity and wanted to like invade North Carolina, if I had a gun, I'd be on I forty, like every other person trying to go do their background check to get a gun to go down there and defend it. But that's not the issue,
0: right? Well, the issue guess-
2: is, is the people that claim to rule us on both sides. It's one gnarly animal with, you know, two hands, and the hands are always over here distracting you from what's going on. Right? That's how I look at Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> it's just a, gr- a group of miscreants that want to rule over us and they do that based upon the notion of this document and it's a document that at one time the four of us up- swore to uphold and defend because that's what guaranteed our liberties as citizens from government. Constitution really doesn't have shit to say about like if you know armies or you know or wars other than article 1 section 8 that the Congress is supposed to declare it which that hasn't happened since 41, right? So it's just another usurpation. So at what time do we as the private citizen who supposedly under the notion of the social contract or have agreed to be ruled under this document, what what do we do? Because obviously you can't do shit about it when you're in the military if the government's stepping on the document. Because remember, it's a control on government, not on people.
0: That's right. Right. Well, Let let me give this perspective, because I think while we were in the military, whether we we knew what the Constitution was was or was not, whether we passed your test or not, I mean, we still had a sense of why we were there. We still had a sense of other freedoms because we've been to other places. So we still had a sense of what America was all about. But while we were in the military, what were the civilians that weren't in the military doing to defend this Constitution? They really weren't doing much. They were kind of riding this whole thing. So when we get out of the military... Uh, We become one of those citizens. But my, my, my dilemma with that would be is I wouldn't even know what to do because there's no civilians here that are leading me to defend it from that perspective. I only know to pick up arms and go defend it. So that would be my dilemma is that I was trained to fight for this constitution. I don't know how to do it in the civilian world. And that's where I think the distinction between what were these people doing while we were fighting for this constitution, what were the rest of Americans doing? to defend the Constitution
3: yeah. and I, I think I, I agree with like what what Mike Mike said if it happened to the country you had the military to defend the country to begin with they're going to be organized by leadership and blah 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 no civilians we're not going to be organized by anybody but ourselves or maybe a couple of our neighbors get together and say hey all right this is our line this is our fu- uh, fire field we're going to protect each other so like I, I don't think I'm running to their front lines I think I'm going to defend my yard, my perimeter, and that's probably about it. I'm mean, defend my family. I mean, now we might retreat to someone I don't think we'll ever retreat. That's the wrong word to use, but we might go assist other other friends at their household because we know they have more ammo and, and more weapons and, and more protection. I, I don't think as a private citizen, I don't have to uphold any constitution, but now the government should abide by it, like you, like you said.
1: So who enforces uh, that? Yeah that that that's it right there. When the government doesn't abide by the constitution and then when you talk about what is the constitution what do we and, do about it? Right.
2: Who enforces it's the capital? Do
1: people people will tell you now your 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 arms now as a, a vet or as a normal civilian is to vote. Right? That's 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 a part of your arms right now to defend the constitution. But when you defend the Constitution, if you truly defend the Constitution, you're really defending yourself, right? You're, you're in, a, in ideal yeah. from the powers of the government. And like we, discuss,
3: uh... and like we discussed in our, in our previous show, we had it's the interpretation of an individual of what's yeah, really. right and what's wrong with the Constitution. Like, yeah, I think the government can do blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, no, they can't do that because this isn't this. So it's interpreted, it, I believe. It's, an inter- it's like a lawyer. It's, a, it's an interpretation of what's written. Like you might believe something, and I might. Believe, you, can, you can have the exact same thing written, and we interpret it two different ways. So who's right and who's wrong? Well, I think
2: I think when you you it's written in pretty common language, you give it to the common person. Most of them are going to come up with the same Ooh. conclusion. It's who's generally the people person? that go, "How can I subvert this and pervert this." to get one over w- w- on you, those are usually the ones that are I- interpreting it. My opinion. At least that's been my observation.
1: Yeah, I have, have one people. word for you, Paul. When you say common language, I have one word for you. An <laughs> Common,
0: except one word.
1: The key phrase,
2: the key word in that is lean.
1: I know. I right. just wanted you to expound on it. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, just, I mean, just like they say,
3: oh, you, you don't need ar 15 You don't need 30-round magazines. That's, that's not what the Second Amendment was written about. Well, if you want to talk to me about the Second Amendment, use your First Amendment, right? And use a quail pen and write me a letter and send it to me on a horse. And then we can talk, right?
2: Just like we Just like we did with King George over and over and over again. And then finally, our founders got to a point that went, all right, listen here, fuckface. We've written a bunch of letters. And all you did was laugh at us, ignore us, call us rebel rousers, call us traitors, put sanctions on us. And you continue to do it anyway. And they got to a point where they're like, no mas.
0: That, that means no more for you guys who don't speak Spanish.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I don't sit here and mean to speak in terms of, of revolution at all. I I really more mean to speak in terms of evolution, right, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. The the American experiment was really super unique, but over, you know, 200-plus years, we found there's some inherent flaws that are put into it.
0: Well, sure. You know, and what's interesting is my son, he's he's only 11, but he's really fascinated by history, and that means he's forcing it into my my, my world because I wasn't a real history buff. And I mean, everything he's watching, everything I'm absorbing from him, like there was some really bad stuff going on all around the world constantly. Like this, this it was nothing new to, to conquer new lands and, and take over this place and take this back. And like, I'm just fascinated by it. So I think what we did in this country did kind of break a mold, but it's not going to be flawless. No, right.
2: But, but again, it should be, like I said, it should be an evolutionary process. I mean, if we think about if we were sitting around the, the pub in 1774, and we were having this discussion, like, you know what? I think we could probably do pretty good without the king and Parliament and rule ourselves. I mean, how many people at that point would have been like, <gasps> like without the Parliament? What do you What do you mean we don't have a king? I mean, I, I, we have queens occasionally, but what do you mean we don't have a monarch? You know, and the notion that we could rule ourselves was revolutionary, and they tried a system, but it's. As the, the American author, individualist, uh, uh, Lysander Spooner, to paraphrase him, he'd looked at, uh, you know, the Constitution being one thing or another is, you know, that's, that's beyond debate. But it is either allowed the government that we have today or it was powerless to stop it. And when we bitch about government, man, this is like way overbearing and not what we really want the consent of the government, which I was kind of alluding to in the last time that we, we talked. Now what?
1: Can you uh, – I know you're paraphrasing, but can you repeat that quote, somewhat quote? Okay, so Spooner
2: basically basically said that that the – it's in his book called um, uh, No Trees and a Constitution of Non-Authority. It's, he really anno- – he annihilates the notion of uh, like the, the social contract. His logic and reason is very – if you've never read him, he's very good to read. You can read him online for free. But he says uh, – that the Constitution has either allowed the government that we have today. He's writing this in like 1858. Right? So this is nothing new. So it's either allowed what we have to, to have today to happen. Right? So it either allowed the government, that the intrusive government that we have today to happen or it was powerless to stop it.
1: That's that's the, and I love, and Jim, if you remember, I uh, I did a much more uh i did a more worse quote than paul just did much more worse um in a couple of episodes ago when i was talking about uh mr spooner right so that's why i say the constitution is the people and if you listen to that quote the people allowed this to happen or we Bingo. were powerless
2: Bingo.
1: but now the people do
3: something about it now now they're traitors and terrorists and they're destroying the capitol building and and, and everything else so, so when does it become extreme and, and when does it become defending the constitution where's the line as long know, as we all go up there and we go, ask them real nicely to like follow the doctor, yeah no you're you're looking yeah no your elected officials need to be scared of you as as their
2: employer yeah absolutely we just all need to, like, put on Halloween masks when we go into the booth and push the little secret button on the computer. Yeah. That'll do it. That'll be scary, right? We're going to vote scary.
1: Well, it's just like, uh, you know, guys, I'm going to talk about something that Paul and I talked about years ago. but uh, And I think, Jim, if you remember a couple episodes ago that I mentioned this also, just imagine, just imagine, I don't care which side of the fence you're on or whatever, if we all got together and said, okay. Something's not right here. We have to get together, look at the Constitution, right? And then we're going to go to our political, our, our politicians and say, listen, you guys are not governing us correctly based on the Constitution itself. Just imagine that for a second. Now, what you have there is not, there's no division. If there's no division and that's... That's where the power comes from, because as long as Jim is over there on the left talking about, oh, this side of the way is bad, and I'm on the right talking about this side is bad, and I have millions of people who agree with me, and Jim has millions of people agreeing with him, that divide and conquer still exists. Therefore, we are powerless.
0: Sure, I I get that, but I want to go back to what you're talking about is is where does that division, where does that powerless come from? Because if we were following the Constitution— It's like the boiling frog thing. Oh, we'll ignore this piece, or we'll interpret this piece different because we want this to meet our agenda, or we want this to fit in. So you do that so many times, little by little, and even the people that don't even realize what's happening, by the time they realize, wait a minute, we're so far from the Constitution, now it becomes powerless? I mean, but we're the people that changed it. We're the ones that allowed it to be powerless. So you still have to have some sense of what that document means and stands for
3: and I don't, I don't. personally I don't think America really cares about the Constitution <clears throat> for the most part anymore. They know the First and Second Amendment. Asking what Amendment Six is, they're like, well, Hell, I don't know. What's Amendment Twelve? I don't know. First and second. That's all it's talked about. But they don't really care about that. They want they, all they care about is what's affecting them. Am I getting? Am I, am I getting free this? Am I getting free that? Am I not getting this? Am I not getting that? What's the government doing for me? Not what you can do for the government.
2: Right. So then, voting is really an act of trying to be behind the guy that the, the guy that's swinging the bat of the state is on your side. He's not swinging it at you. He's swinging it at somebody else. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That's basically politics. That's what voting kind of boils down to. I, okay. So then really there is no rule of law then. So the notion that we have a rule of law, if our whole form of governments is based on the constitution, which is, the rule of law of our government, then we have no rule of law in this country anymore. We have selective law.
1: Mm.
3: I agree oh. with that.
2: Fine yeah, for I, me, I, but not for thee. I, I think
0: yeah. the Constitution is a rule of law, but just because we're refusing to follow it, that's where you're, you're talking about now. That's the you state you we're in like now, are, is what you're
1: yeah, are Yeah, but you're
0: refusing to follow it.
1: Yeah, right. yeah. So Where's the, if they're refusing them to follow it, Jim, and I think that's what we're all saying here, if they're refusing to follow it and we're not forcing them to follow it, where's the rule of law? Well, but that's what I'm
0: saying, Mike, but for in order for them to get to the place where they aren't following it, you had to have people who could care less if they follow it. I mean, not every politician just pulls a switch and says, well, I'm going to promise to uphold the Constitution. Now I'm not. (laughs) No, some people could care less.
3: Right. Some people don't care if you defend, if if you step on the Second Amendment because they don't like guns anyway. They don't believe in guns. They don't want guns. They think they're bad. So who cares if the government steps on the Second Amendment? No big deal to me. But uh, that part doesn't matter, right? But Paul, he believes in his guns and he believes in his rights. So the Second Amendment matters to him. So that's where it is. So I don't because I don't believe in guns and don't like guns, I don't care if they step on the second amendment. It doesn't
1: matter to me. exactly Nate. And that's where that division comes in. And that's where once again, that's what makes us powerless. Because I've had the conversation, debates, and Paul, he can he can attest to it. Whereas, you know, if you look at one amendment, if it's being violated, I'm like, hey, that's wrong. And if you have a second amendment over here, you know, or whatever amendment, right? And somebody, if you look at the Patriot Act or you look at the second amendment, it's, it's all the same to me. If you have a group of people over here that's saying, hey, they're violating our uh, constitutional rights. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a good point. Let's go fight. But you have these, these sects of our population who say, I'm a Second Amendment guy. And yeah, that Fourth Amendment, I, I really don't care about that. You want to listen to me, that's fine. I'm not doing anything wrong. you know." And once again, that's where the division comes from. Whereas okay. if we want to enforce the, our politicians, we, we want to force our politicians to follow the Constitution, that we all have to get together. And the division
3: comes from two letters, D and R,
1: Democrats and Republicans. They're, they're, I, I think we all knew what you were talking about, Nate. They were separating so <laughs> Democrats <laughs> believe
3: Did one thing Republicans Republic believe
1: like
3: another, like that's and down. that's how right. are you how, how am I going to tell you that abortion's wrong? Or how are you going to tell me that abortion's okay? If I don't believe in it, I don't believe in it. But you believe in it. So now it's right. But I don't believe it, so I'm wrong. That's it's,
1: Or any, any other topic you want to... Hey, you know, I, I got you. But that's, that's a good one. Once again, though, now someone's bringing their religious somewhat freedoms and trying to enforce it on another. Now, does, where does that fall in with the Constitution? You, you, you see what I'm saying? So that's when, once again, that's... To me, I, I truly believe that's where they uh, create that division. And as long as it's there, we're powerless. That's why when we talk about a lot of topics, I'm like, well, yeah, I can see that. You know, it's wrong. Wrong is wrong.
3: So right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess Paul's more of a constitutional expert than the three of us combined, probably. Bullshit. So, oh, bullshit, not Mike James. No, Mike James knows everything. Don't even try so it. Me, it so let me put it this way. So the government's stepping on our constitutional rights by making us wear a mask. What constitution is that? is that? And I'm going to defer that to Paul.
2: <laughs> okay, so, well, there, so there's two things that they would, they, if it went to court, there's two things that they will claim, right? And one is the general welfare clause, which is in mm-hmm. the preamble of article one, section eight, or that's what's basically gives Congress certain enumerated, is called the enumerated powers. They give them the certain enumerated powers. And it says that they can provide for the general welfare of the United States. That's the United States government. That's not the citizens of the United States, or it would have said the people. So they could say it's in the government's best interest that they make you do that. And the catch-all that they always use is the Interstate Commerce Clause. So anytime there's any trade with any type of people, they can claim an interaction to it. Which is BS. If you go back and you read the Federalist Papers on why that was supposed to be there, that was never the intention. That was in FDR's court at that point, where basically they were going through and to keep wheat prices, Wickerby-Filburn. They were trying to keep wheat prices down, and they came to this homestead farmer, and they said, Hey, we think you're growing more wheat than you can consume. you got to destroy it, and you got to kill a couple of your pigs. And he's like, Well, why? And he's like, Well, because it, it affects interstate commerce. And he said, well, I'm not even in the – I'm not selling anything. And then they ruled in Wickery and that just you not even participating in the market affects the market. So pretty much any human action that you have through the Interstate Commerce Clause, they will claim justification for that, right? So from a constitutional aspect. The abortion thing doesn't – okay, so we can look at right now – and look at the people at the, the Capitol Hill Circus on the 6th, right? Those people were – practicing two of their First Amendment rights, right? Actually, three if you look at it it, in actuality. But the most important of that is the one that everybody always forgets in the First Amendment, and that's the right for redress of grievances. So you had a large amount of people that showed up in the Congress and goes, hey, this is bullshit. we got to at least look at it. Right? There's enough evidence that, that people are thrown out here to at least say, hey, it warrants that we sit down and, and talk about it in front of the American people. I mean, for, for F's sake, we had Senate hearings on steroids in baseball. Right? And we can't look at what might be a huge election fraud that went up there. Just look at it.
0: And so None they go the up to TV. the
2: Congress, and the Congress was like, yeah, F you.
0: Good thing we're not monetized because that would have done it right there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that bad f word. Did I say it? I thought I said f. Yeah, I don't know what you said. I'm sorry, i just gonna throw that out I'll anyway. An f- worry, no worries. No, you don't have to worry here.
2: But so no, we... those people are angry, right? And then, like Nate had said earlier, that you know they kind of. What do you do? The people have to fear their government, right, in order for their government to do right. But as soon as you show up and go like, "Hey, what happens now? You're a terrorist. You're committing treason. This is an insurrection." We've got eight, you know, twelve-foot fences with sea wire all the way around the whole Capitol Con. Wait, really?
3: Walls, walls work. Yeah, I guess. No, oh.
2: but but think about if all of those people were armed and determined that showed up there.
0: That's, right. why, That's why I a called a circus hurt, right too.
3: So I'm really with you, Paul. <laughs> So yeah. is it really an insurrection? Were they were they trying to overthrow the government, or were they just trying to make a point to the government?
2: Correct. That's why that word is so fallacious.
3: Yes. I, I mean, know. they were trying to overthrow crazy.
1: the government.
0: I love this guy, Mike.
1: Yeah, they were trying to overthrow the government with zip ties and. <laughs> the uh, Zip tie story is fake. They, is they use it? as
2: an opportunity to pre demonize anybody that's going to stand
3: up to them.
1: It's kind of like when they came out with the trespassing bill. You know,
3: and you know what they should have done instead of storming the capital, they should have just surrounded it and not let those people out until they did the right thing for America. Well, that's that's what there's a lot more of us. We, we, we could have fire guard shifts, we could have went two hour shifts each and still surrounded the capital for I'd years. Had to
0: skip out of mine like I did in the army. <laughs>
3: nah, hey, I'm an NCO. No, I ain't doing fire guard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, uh, it is, I think, um, with the uh, the insurrection on January 6th. <laughs> I like hey, circus better. wasn't no, it? To use that word because it really irritates Jim. Uh, I, I always, I'm always gonna call it like it is. And triggered, so, triggered. Right. <laughs> but now, um, like I told Jim, I don't care what they call it, and I don't want to get off on you know on that topic. But um, Paul and I had a short discussion about this, and he's like, at least this protest or this circus. No, nah, nah, this a violent act, if you will. They were taking it to the government and not taking it to the uh, corner not store. Comforting. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, the shoe store owner or something like that. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, they would long right.
2: agree. On. And now look at that short moment of circus and look at their response. Like, anybody who even thinks about getting together like that and causing some some stuff, like you're already a terror of arrest, right? Can, I said you, that, you can do that and get arrested,
3: but you can go and steal TVs and it's okay. But,
2: but you can't go protest your your rulers.
3: I said this to Mike. I yeah, said, I said, did y'all hear what he just said? Why do you keep calling them rulers? I know he keeps calling them rulers. They're not. Well, no, 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 they're not, not the like rulers. He's it. not allowed to act like rulers.
1: No, I I get that, but what he, he said was like, when you are talking about stealing TVs and a loaf of bread or whatever out of these local uh, vendors, the stores, and they, but it's like, yeah, they, they'll comment on those things and say how bad it is, how bad it is. But then when we take it to the government, like on January 6th, they're like, whoa, wait a minute now. We have to come up with new rules, new laws. New fences. Because it's them. That's them. It can be taken right. It's them. Every
3: single time. That way, they, begin, backyard. They,
1: they create uh, something to deter the next group from doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. Because it's in their backyard. Yeah. It affects them. It's just that simple. That's why they keep getting paid in the middle of a pandemic and then they argue over our $600 check. Like, they're getting paid, they're getting paid by us. Right. We're paying them to argue over our $600 check. Yep. All right, guys. You wanna you wanna pull the pin on this? Cause we're no, hey, Paul. You have any last minute comments on that? No. I don't.
2: Thanks for having you. Get me out here again, guys.
0: Yeah. We, well, you can still make a comment here. This is the end where we allow you to pull the pin on something, or you can have a person of the week. We're just changing it up now, where you can choose whatever you want to be positive, negative, or just some dumb comment like Mike might just make now in a second. <laughs>
3: Anybody got something they want to go with? So here's my person of the week. We talked about someone earlier in an earlier episode about how Texas has now opened up, but you got secretary of defense, Austin, who has mandated masks. So now Texas is opened up, but Mike, you go to four hood, you got to wear a mask while you're walking outside now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's always been like that. Yeah.
3: Well, no, no. Now it's mandated to, to on post to wear outside. Also, like you oh, used to be oh, like, I used to okay. look out and you know, Run and do some PT outside, and no one driving on need a mask. But now, supposedly, you need, you need a mask. So Texas is okay, but not Fort Hood or not Sam Houston. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Mike, Paul, got something? I want to pull the pin. I want to
2: pull the pin on ridiculously high gas prices.
1: Supply and demand. That that's because now that's because
2: my motorcycle at the other day. That's because
3: of the storm in Texas. Not because of politicians, but the storm in Texas caused prices to go up.
1: Hmm. Ridiculous high gas prices. How much did it cost you to fill up your bike there, Paul? Almost twenty right under twenty bucks. Damn.
0: For
3: a motorcycle?
2: Yeah.
3: Damn, I could yeah. use the high-quality stuff and not type. fill that. Back in January, I could that's fill up a Nissan Altima for that price.
1: Damn. How much is it up there where you are?
2: <clears throat> I paid 308 a gallon for... I, I put high test in the bike, but it was 308 a
3: gallon. Damn.
1: 260, <clears throat>
3: 265 right now
1: for a regular. $87. 239 no. in here. 239 <clears throat> So I'm going to be quiet.
0: Even after the story... I actually do. I do have something. I, I I want to do a person of the week. I don't know who the person is, but Lady Gaga's dogs are back. <laughs> Woohoo! Her dogs are back. Forget the guy who got shot walking them, but the dogs are back. Thank you. Whoever returned those dogs, because I don't know how we could have gone through the rest of this week without that.
3: Thank you, guys. Those defunded police officers found the dogs.
0: <clears throat> uh,
3: well,
2: I do have the, a person yeah, of the week, but I forgot her name. <laughs> So I feel like an idiot at the moment, but have you have you watched any of the, the Mars Rover stuff that's out?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, so one of one of the young ladies who is one of the mission flight commanders on for that project came to the United States at the age of 17 from Columbia with 300 bucks in her pocket. Yep. And she worked her ass off in what people would consider menial jobs and saved her money. And she is now a flight commander on the Mars rover.
0: That is so not people possible. People tell
2: me that you can't come here to this country and work your <clears> ass <throat> off, not even being able to speak the language and make something of yourself, that's a bunch of hooey. That's props impossible. To the lady for coming here and working hard and being the first <clears throat> <Latina> female <throat> Mars rover pilot ever whatever your name
3: it's is. for her for coming here legally and learning the language and making a good living for herself. For sure.
0: So, Mike, that should make yours interesting. What do you got?
1: Well, I'm going to uh, pull the pin on the uh, flight commander for the Mars rover. She said she came here with $300 in her pocket. That was a lie. It was already, be, it was already debunked. She had $302 in her pocket. <laughs> <laughs> well that was bus fare the two dollars was bus fare hey in all seriousness I, I do follow the uh uh mars rover and i i think her name was i can't remember the name but i don't like you paul but that was that was good it was uh um i, I can't remember the name but uh yeah that was a, that was an interesting story about the three hundred dollars and yeah i had I, I'll, I'll i'll piggyback off of that one that's my person of the week
0: what what a what a ripoff! Anyways, that is all the time we have for this episode. We hope you enjoy what we had to say. We hope you come back. We hope you come to our website, pullthepinalready.com, and check us out. Come be a member. Come get on the show. Until then, Godspeed. Hey, and pull the pin. Boom.